record. All right, so tonight we're doing the condescension of Jesus Christ. Now, <laughs> I swear, every single week, um, <laughs> I, I'm getting a little bit more and more behind. I I spent most of my time there in Psalm uh, 113, because there's so much good stuff in there. But um, uh, hopefully <laughs> other people have read some of the others as well, so that we can uh, dive into all of it. Um, but my question is, how is this entry different than the previous one for the birth of, of Jesus Christ? How is the birth different than the condescension? And what kind of things can we learn one versus the other? Um, anyway, do you, any of you have any thoughts on that? As I was looking through it, um, with the, the condescension, uh, especially the like the root words of it, right? The con with and descend uh, to um, come down and be with us. Um, uh, the birth seems to be, to me anyway, just kind of one aspect of the entire condescension. The condescension includes the, the planning and preparation for all of that uh, versus the birth is just uh, one of the the events in that condescension process, but I don't know if there's any other thoughts or opinions on that. Well, I found that in the box there, the definition of it, mm -hmm. very interesting. It says condescension descent from one's rank or dignity in relations with an inferior. Um, <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute, but that's that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. But um, didn't really consider hey. that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like that that word dignity there, like. Um, uh, descent from one's rank or dignity, um, so that he was was a god, right? Uh, the mm -hmm. the magnitude of of his calling, his office, and to to willingly uh, voluntarily give that up um, for a time in order to 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 be with us, and it, like it, the the relations relations with an inferior yeah i there's so much to it it's hard to like really put that into words you know, it makes you think i don't really comprehend totally what uh, being a god really looks like i think mm -hmm. it's more than i even have been comprehending yeah and i think it's interesting especially once we've uh kind of learned isaiah's ladder and uh, some of that nuance right the descent before the ascent and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so as, as he is willingly giving up the rank and dignity but it's out of love uh full well knowing what's ahead and willingly descending in order to save um but but yeah that that gives a whole richer picture to it than um 
than I had ever had before. I'm so grateful right. for Isaiah's uh, idea on that. That's such a great word, Cameron. It gives us a richer picture. Um, I was thinking that um, about the information, as Darlene said, about trying to understand a larger concept of what it means to be a god, to be exalted. And what came to me more than anything is this the example of how to lead and how to minister. Mm -hmm. And it is not about exalting oneself. <laughs> it's not ever really about that, is it? In fact, it's the opposite of that. Opposite, it's descending, humbling uh -huh. oneself, but yeah. always doing it with love because without love, it doesn't mean anything to be. Mm -hmm. The descents don't seem to carry power or value if the descents are not always accompanied with love. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, so taking a, a look at uh, some of the Hebrew uh, words and everything here, I think was really fun. Like I said, I spent most of my time there just in Psalm uh, 113. So here on Bible Hub, just kind of taking a look at at these. Let's see, the Lord is I am I in the right one? Maybe not. Just a second. Parallel. Yeah, I think I was in the wrong place. It's throwing me off. Okay, so in this version, uh, the word is Yahweh. It's not the Adonai or the, the Elohim, um, but Yahweh is exalted, which is very different from the King James here, where it says is high above all nations. Um, but this one, the exalted, to be high actively, to rise and raise, I, I thought were very interesting ways to describe that exaltation. The Lord is exalted over all the nations. His glory, and I liked this um, kind of the, the definition behind glory, the weight, the splendor, and the copiousness of his glory is above the heavens. And so there's a couple different words for the, the heavens, and this one is the Hashemayim. Um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to, to be able to sound out some of that, uh, the Hebrew now. Uh, you know, we don't know all of those yet in, from our lessons, but um, I think for the most part we, we do, right? The Hashemayim. And then the next verse. Who is the Lord, our God? And so here we have the, the Yahweh Elohenu. The one enthroned on high. And I like the, the word to soar and be lofty when we're talking about the, the high, the heights. 
and then he humbles himself. So the word humble here in the Hebrew is literally to become low or to be abased. He humbles himself. He, he becomes low to behold in order to see. So he had to come low in order to see heaven and the earth. I thought that was a, a very interesting kind of way to, to look at it. He raises the poor, and that, that word doll, uh, he raises the dangling, the weak, and the thin from the dust. And lifts, um, again, to, to rise or raise, the needy from the dump. And so here, it's the uh, miaspot, the, the ash heap, the refuse, the refuse heap, and the dung hill. So uh, there's quite a few different um, uh, ways to, to use uh, this word, the ash heap. Uh, sometimes it's refuse, uh, the kind of where people take their trash to burn it. Um, and sometimes it's a sacrificial um, refuse heap, the ash heap, the, the ashes of the red heifer, um, where the animal sacrifice and even the dung from the animal is all burnt up in the ash heap, um, yeah, spot there. I, it's kind of an interesting metaphor in the, the sacrifice of the red heifer in light of, of Psalm 113 here, but he, he raises up the poor from the dust and the needy from the dump. So what is the difference between those two stanzas? Because, I mean, they're very chiastic, right? Or at least a parallelism. Uh, he raises the poor from the dust. So what is the difference between the, the poor, the doll, and the needy? And what is the difference uh, between dust and dump? It seems like it's almost... I don't know. I was just thinking two different categories because the dust and the clay and the earth are elements of the earth, which have a, you know, a generative potential. I mean, even one teaspoon of earth has more um, microorganisms living in it than the whole population on the earth. But the refuse heap, um, it's it has more of a feel of almost like, I mean, anything can be recycled, but it, it, it feels more degraded in a way to me. Like it's already been used and it's, you know, the, the other, the dust and clay has a generative potential. The ash heap feels like it's already been used and it's a little bit more degraded, but yeah. he is able to reclaim both of those categories. He has the power given him to be able to truly redeem even those things that are degraded. Um, so that's just kind of what came to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Uh, just taking a look at um, the word doll here, the, the poor, just kind of interesting some of the different uh, uses of it. Um, so in Exodus, shall be 
Uh, shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute? Uh, shall not pay more, and the poor shall not pay less. Um, there's one here that was really interesting one. I thought it was like near the top. Sorry. Uh, but I find it interesting in Psalms here where the, they always kind of go hand in hand, poor and needy. And, you know, we, we use that phrase a lot, right? The poor and needy. Yeah. But I've never taken the time to really differentiate the two. What's the difference between somebody that's poor and somebody that's needy? And um, I think this uh, Psalm 113 kind of helps uh, pull them apart, differentiate uh, one versus the other. So, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. There's something that reminds me a little bit of Mary's Magnificat in this, too, with the special focus being on those of low degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so taking a look and heading over to Isaiah. So Isaiah 50, verse 6. Sorry, I won't write. All right. I offered my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I thought that was interesting. To make smooth, bare, bald, to scour, and uh, to polish. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that kind of seems interesting and in, uh, tear out a beard, but um, sometimes the, the polishing has to go through a, uh, a heavy process, right? Uh, buffing it out and refining it. I did not hide my face from scorn and spittle. Let's see. And does anybody have any comments? I'm just kind of going through them in, in order here, but we can head over to whichever ones we want. But looking at John 114. Getting back, I just have one question on Cameron on one of the words. Mm -hmm. That first psalm, it was the word glory when you went over the other meanings. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder if there's a connection between glory and merit. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so his glory here. Um because my understanding, and I'm just beginning to develop my understanding on many things, but my understanding of merit is that it is a form of substance, but it's like spiritual substance that you can accrue through mm. your righteousness, through your good works. Um, so it just seemed like maybe there is a connection maybe some sort of a connection between glory and merit yeah and um you know kind of like some of those 
uh, references with the atonement, especially, right? Where um, through the atonement, he added glory unto the Father, that there was a uh, a merit accruing there. Very interesting. And it's a very Hebrew concept, um, merit. That's one of the reasons why I would probably like it to be one of the threads I follow because we don't talk as an LDS community about merit very much that mm -hmm. um I may have mentioned as an aside that I studied with um a man who came from a Jewish background and he taught many of his teachings from the I'm going to probably say it wrong Kabbalah it's the more of the mystical branch and he was talked a lot about merit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, right? Because a lot of people say that we um, focus too much on on the works that we're only saved by grace, right? Um, but there's the works and and some of that merit that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just thought it was just a Hebrew concept. I had never heard the word expounded within our um, faith community. Um, but there may be, like you just said, kind of a resonance between works and merit. So that might be the that might be the thread that connects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm putting that. It it kind of makes me want to do a study on grace and glory and and merit and works and and some of those words and really start picking them apart yeah very interesting well the the romans one there eight and three through four uh-huh i want you to read that and then explain that to me because <laughs> <laughs> i've been mulling over that and that's a lot to take in, I think. Yeah. All right. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh. Oh, that is a, a deep one. I, I'm just kind of going up here to look at the different translations to it as well. So the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Well, is that what that say in the law of Moses? If I need to look at that as the law of Moses. Uh, yeah, anytime that we're in either one of the mm -hmm. New Testament, we're usually referring to Law of Moses. Okay. In me. some of these other ones, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. So because we, you know, like our Israelite ancestors rejected the, the full weight of the law. So because of our sinful nature, we received the lower law and the lesser law. But that law is powerless because it's, mm -hmm. it's weakened or a lesser okay. thing it's, it's not complete mm -hmm. yeah that okay that's making a lot more sense mm -hmm. but it's interesting that due to the higher law because we still need saved regardless of um 
what law we're necessarily under at any given time. So God did send his own son as a sin offering. So mm -hmm. God did what the law could not do. The law could never redeem or um, save us. Mm -hmm. And so he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have because mm -hmm. that's the only way that it can be done in the likeness of the sinful flesh um you know and if they do partake of the fruit we will provide a sacrifice for them um if if we do descend and are weakened by the flesh um there has to be a proper offering according to the higher law even though they might only be ready for the lesser Mm -hmm. and then it, the last sentence there it says who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so even though he was here in the flesh he didn't walk after the flesh but after the spirit so yeah because he was sinless that's the, the key there yeah is anyway i thought that one was real interesting yeah that is very interesting and i've come I... to love romans a lot more after a full mm -hmm. good study of the old testament that romans really does expound upon a lot of um some of these principles very well and then the hebrews we had this another week too but it says, but we, Hebrews 2 and 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of his death. So I don't comprehend what that is saying exactly. Mm -hmm. A little lower than the angels. Like, where do they fit in and stuff? Like, so he was made lower than the angels for a little while. So oh, um, for a little while, but not a little low. Correct. Yeah. So that there's um, that he was above the angels, but now he is made below the angels for a little yeah. while. He's, it's a condescension. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like how it's worded there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tell you, the King James really loses me in, in some of the stuff. Okay. But um, New International Version, the New Living Translation, English Standard Version, like I, I've started to really love being able to compare them side by side and seeing how different faith backgrounds start translating these um, original stanzas. But I, I also love going to the, the original and really pulling out the transliteration. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, not crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That's so interesting, taste death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it, it seems to kind of allude right back to the tasting of 
of the fruit in the garden that caused us to fall. Mm -hmm. And so from that taste, we are fallen. And through this other taste, we are redeemed and brought through it. Which translation uses the word taste death? Because I'm not seeing it in what we're looking at. Is that the New International? Um, yeah, let's take a look up here. Suffered death, suffered death. Taste of death in the living, new thing translation. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus, oh. taste of death. Yeah. So that, new international, new, new living. Oh, yes, new international. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I most of them. Yeah, even the King James, the the very last, it's the fifth to last word. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Suffered death. Yeah. Suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death mm. for everyone. So that's a very interesting parallelism in and of itself you know so like we were comparing the poor and the needy i mean they're they're almost the exact same thing but yet um uh, pulling them apart and what's the difference here so he suffered <laughs> death so that he might taste death so he undergoes it let's see undergone hardship or pain emotion or influence oh from a pre presumed derivative of pathos uh, that's an interesting connection there he suffered death that he might taste death for everyone you know like how when you read something and you're just like huh i I can see the depth of it, but I still don't understand the depth of it. But I at least know that it's really deep, right? <laughs> so like it that's yeah. like this scripture here. What does it mean? Like I can understand that this is a really deep concept. He suffered death that he might taste death. But I haven't well, it's just the tip of the iceberg. That is weird. And I don't know where because I'm a lit major, but it just seems like some myth or something I read had something called the Death Eaters. Mm -hmm. Or was it some? I don't know. Anyway, I know I there's those in like <laughs> Harry Potter. There's something. Oh yeah, there's something about taking in something that instead of dying but actually tasting it makes it seem like you're experiencing it more yeah let's see let's but it's not as passive as just dying but you're really experiencing it um in an in a um more active way not as passive so interesting i've never understood taste in this kind of a way before i know but that when you brought you know adam and eve and tasting of the fruit and and then that brought on the fall and to overcome the fall mm -hmm. they were he had to taste of death 
for all of us. But anyway, it started. But in a way, it's a reversal because his tasting of death reverses the effects of the fall so that mm -hmm. the gates yeah. of the spirit prisons can, the captives can be released. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was just looking for the Hebrew equivalent of, of that. to see kind of what some of its nuances are. We need to look up the word paste, I think. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's but what I'm trying to do. It's not going. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I like, was talking about eyes. I don't associate the eyes with tasting, but it had eyes uh, taste the like honey or something, and uh, the sun tasting and like I don't know if I fully understand what taste is. What was that? It would like taste be kind of like experience it must be because think about how the fall brought a, a type of experience that altered everything mm -hmm. and yeah yeah so taking a look at uh, a lexicon um, Thayer's dictionary has kind of three different things for, for taste. To try the flavor of, to perceive the flavor of, partake of, or enjoy, to feel, make trial of, or experience, or to take food and eat, to take nourishment and eat. But we're talking more like that, the B of that experience uh, it wasn't experience experience was my name. to to feel make trial mm -hmm. of yeah and so, here we've got experience yeah and this yeah. is the one that we were reading off of there in hebrews too right to and then there's to take it a step further we then experience or taste uh, when we partake of the sacrament, which are the emblems of his body and blood, we are tasting mm -hmm. so that we can remember. So with this is a question popped in my head. With Adam and Eve, if you use the word experience, were they maybe not tasting the fruit? literally but experiencing 
what that fruit had to offer the now uh, from the good and evil the opposites and stuff right figuratively but perhaps even experientially is what you're saying darling uh -huh. correctly mm -hmm. that's kind of what we do when we partake of the sacrament there's the figurative aspect of mm -hmm. it being emblematic of his body and blood but there's also the ex physical experience of the bread and the water or wine mm -hmm. hmm, that's so interesting yeah so very interesting you know like kind of contrasting the taste of the first fruit versus this fruit right so he suffered death that he might taste death and the first fruit in the garden was delicious to the taste. Yeah. And and this one is is a bitter, so that we might know the the good from the evil, the the bitter from the sweet. Uh huh. But I mean, they're they're opposites, drastically opposite. Mm hmm. So interesting. <laughs> I mean, I I would have never thought to look at that word. I, I'm so glad we stopped and, and really experienced that i think that there's still even more to to be had but that, oh, that taste is yeah. so interesting let's see so yeah let's go to the the first john five six okay so this is the one who came by water and blood jesus christ not by water alone but by water and blood and it is the spirit who testifies to this because the spirit is the truth that's kind of interesting, right? Because we always have those mm -hmm. three things present in any covenant, uh, any covenantal birth. There's water, blood, and spirit. And, and it's important to, to know that it wasn't just by water, but that it was water and blood. And so isn't that interesting where we have from last week, um, you know, the, the divine sireship of Christ, that woman is, is blood, mortal, right? And then we have water more in line with the divine so that there's immortal or eternal being symbolized by water. And then the, the blood being the mortal aspect of things. So you have water, blood, and spirit being overshadowed by the spirit. So in, again, all births and all covenantal um, beginnings, we have those three present. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And you know, like we were talking about, we've 
talked about it a lot this last week actually about like the spirit the the numa uh the wind breath spirit the the yahweh breath um uh, that even repentance changing the way we breathe the the way that we express the gift of the spirit that we that we receive um breathe into him his in his nostrils the breath of life the the spirit didn't president nelson allude to the fact that um when we experience the joy of repenting that it will change the way we breathe mm -hmm. yeah yeah that metanoeo i wonder if i can type that right nope <laughs> Meta no way. Huh, that dictionary doesn't have the even the way we breathe because I, I remember that very vividly from his talk. Change one's mind. How do you spell metanoia? In Greek or in English? <laughs> in English. <laughs> very, very tricky. <laughs> Give us a couple years to learn the Hebrew and then we'll learn the Greek. But uh, yeah, metanoia. Yeah, there seems to be a lot more to the breathing than I've gotten in the past, but yeah. it's the very breath of life. I mean, we don't live without breathing, mm -hmm. but um, even, you know, when th they didn't have this back when my first two children were born, but with Cameron, I took classes and you learn how to breathe, you know, for when you're going to experience that. I thought it was a bunch of baloney and I didn't pay much attention to it. But when it came to my and I had done a little better on that. Because <laughs> there's really something to it. I just thought they were being silly. Well, there is something to it. I discovered it. In a way, the hard way, I said during a contraction, I said, oh, I'm tired of this breath stuff. And I stopped doing it. And I was like, oh, so I was like right back on it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so necessary, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting with um, when we were going through that four ordination book and uh, some of the, the breath work and um, connecting meditating just all of the different mm -hmm. things right and and breath is so important in all of it but how breath is is such a connection to the holy spirit the go uh, holy ghost that um just like in in all the the births there's water blood and spirit and that spirit is so important um it's the very air that we breathe that's why we we have that here um to help uh, clear our mind you know when we need to go take a breath or take a breather <laughs> and um recenter ourselves realign um the lots of the the meditations that i've been doing or um 
the the exercises like Wim Hof breathing exercises the one I kind of uh, tend to do. <laughs> um, but man, does it really clear mm-hmm. things in in a way? That <laughs> I was like, where has this been my whole life? Do you feel like you get um, clearer as far as having insights, or just your ability to be present? It's kind of interesting to describe, right? Because um for example with um the the Wim Hof one the the exercise where you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and then holding the breath in versus um going through and pumping and then expelling it and holding it out at bay kind mm-hmm. of a thing it really it creates this clarity like it just takes all of the the cloudy gunk of your mind and just <laughs> just it just opens it up and so that you can see that like uh is it paul that says that we see through a glass darkly but but now we see him as he is it, it, i it just opens it up and it, i experience that when i when i do it um it's kind of almost like in in your your mind's eye that you didn't even know that it was cloudy. You didn't know that you were under um, uh, a fog, (laughs) but all of a sudden, all of that just dissipates and, and you just see clearly again and how, I don't know, I don't know quite how to describe it, but it's, it's a very real. It uh, sounds like you've experienced it more. It's harder to like connect words to it, but you experience it more. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, holding your breath, I've always heard that that's like a bad thing, right? Like if you hold your breath for too long, you can actually get like brain damage and stuff. (laughs) But um, with, with like the Wim Hof exercises, you're doing it and pushing yourself beyond your normal um, reaction. You, 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 your body wants to hurry and do an intake, but you hold off the natural man response in order to push past it and actually reach the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's really hard to uh, put into words and articulate, but um, yeah, the it's given me a lot more insight into what it means to feel and actually be in the presence or influence of the Holy Ghost, the, the gift mm-hmm. of the Holy Ghost. Um, if we're not hmm. breathing properly, we can't be under his influence and uh, his guiding direction. But um, anytime that I'm seeking direct revelation, like I, I need the spirit to confirm this right away, then change the way you breathe and, and you can experience it. Interesting. That's so interesting, Cameron. I, I feel like I want to share something. I went to a class one time that was directed by a woman who does therapy with people. And she had us do uh, this breathing technique. And um, it, they did it in such a way that it was almost like hyperventilating, but it wasn't. And um, I could hear different people in the room going into altered states of consciousness, like they were having like visionary experiences. Yeah. And that really distracted me. And I thought maybe I need to get up and go help somebody. And just as I had that thought, which is very characteristic of me, just before something happens, I usually want to check out. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it's like a switch got flipped. 
I would never have believed anything was possible. I could still see my partner. She was sitting next to me to make sure I was okay. But it was like I was lying on my back at the bottom of a swimming pool, looking up through all this water and there were just like ripples and she was so far away. And I was in like this vault of my memories that I had locked away that I didn't want to experience. And I was fully experiencing it. The door was open. I was experiencing something from my past that I had no idea I had ever felt or experienced. It was unbelievable. And that was from breathing techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Who needs, <laughs> what is it? Peyote or whatever kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. You've got your brain with all of its <laughs> chemicals. You don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah. You don't need anything else. You just need to breathe properly. And so, um, I I was just wondering if this um, breathing correctly puts us more in tune with our own spirit. Mm -hmm. As you was talking, I was just wondering. If Having actual can... control over your, your body and your thoughts and, and different things. I think that there's definitely something to it. And I, I find it so interesting because when um, President Nelson said the, the definition for metanoia, you know, and even the way we breathe. I and I was like, like oh, that's such a idea. cool sentiment, right? Like, oh yeah, how can you change the way you breathe? But now that I've, I've experienced it in deeper levels, I'm like, oh my gosh, he was right. Like, <laughs> until we change the way we breathe, we can't overcome the adversary's influence properly in our lives. Like there's so much to breath mm -hmm. and, and having actual self-control. Like breath is such an important part of overcoming the natural man. And like I like we just fasted today. It we experienced uh gaining self-control, you know, on our eating and stuff. Maybe this is a lot like fasting except in with breathing. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, and it's important that the three different kinds of fasts, right? The the food, which is representative of of blood, um, the water. Well, I mean, you could kind of put symbol symbolism in different ways, but uh, food, water, and breath. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, being like three different ways to to really align our bodies, overcome the natural man, and put it in its perfect state for revelation kind of thing that's oh really, really a quite a interesting uh thing to consider mm -hmm. i wonder if that's kind of what we were somewhat kind of getting into with the taste that he mm -hmm. tasted mm -hmm. that there's different there's not just the tongue there's not just receptacles or receptors i don't even what do you call it? taste buds what's the <laughs> scientific term for those there's not just those ways to taste there's tasting throughout the the whole body the whole experience there's different um aspects of our being to taste experience things with i don't know anyway. yes and if if someone were to go through a death process in a state of unconsciousness or unawareness um, or even resisting it, like tightening it, constricting the breath, 
you know, just like not wanting it and resisting it. But he did it so openly that he literally tasted it. It was like he was such mm -hmm. a willing and uh, with so much so much uh, charity and love in his heart that he literally tasted it. Okay. He was not holding back, you know, not resisting and saying, I don't know if I want to do this. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd never would have thought that we were going to go down that kind of a, a road with the condescension. <laughs> some some very interesting paths to to consider with um, a God who became one of us to taste things as we taste them and overcome them and suffer death for us. Yeah. So was there any good ones in the Book of Mormon or Doctrine and Covenants? I never did get to those ones. <laughs> yeah, there. Sometimes the being uh, in a dictionary and thesaurus and everything gets me in trouble with the, <laughs> the, uh, the time constraints of uh, Old Testament, New Testament. I never do get to the Restoration Scripture ones. What's the one where um, it must be belief? Right, let me think. Where an angel show a name these things and goes look, and then look again. Um, it's looking at the condensation, condensation of Christ, then seeing Mary with the babe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we're looking at which one is one. that. First Nephi. Oh, oh, it's up here. It was I. I couldn't see it. Yeah, First Nephi eleven. But as I was reading that, I was just kind of seeing like what he's seeing, trying to, and he's being shown those actual events. And you know, so like when they when people receive you know their visions the. Uh, panoramic vision or cosmic visions they're actually seeing slices of those actual events so god's time is so different than ours that they can just bring that back anytime someone needs to see that you know for their growth and stuff anyway i just kind of got overwhelmed by that verse just kind of visualizing it all yeah. what that must be like there's a lot more to um to life than we even know i think yeah exactly i don't know for me as we pick these scriptures apart and and go bring out different words and different what does that really mean so now i'm looking at things different uh -huh. there's something i don't understand i underline it and put a question mark and anyway as we go through that with all these different things and it gets clearer to me i 
scriptures are funny that way. They're so layered. Oh, and I I wasn't ready to see some of this stuff this way before, but I I think as we you know are growing and and all this that it's deepening. Anyway, I think we're getting some good stuff here. I kind of just jumped on, but I have a comment to make. Mm -hmm. We talked about life, and maybe you think of the pioneers and how. They had nothing coming across the plains, but they would never trade those experiences for anything in the closest that they had to spirit. And I think that the things, and I know that the things that we have around us um, stops us from connecting as deeply as we could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're our own worst enemy in a lot of ways of <laughs> being able to connect with stuff. If we can just get out of our own way, uh, being like natural man away, right? And and really connect. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons the scriptures is always talking, especially the Book of Mormon, about a wilderness journey. I think there's a figurative and a literal, and I think the figurative journey is a very spiritual journey. When you're stripped of your illusions, you're stripped of your distractions, uh, you're stripped down that's when you're more receptive to the spirit that's when you're more open and can receive mm -hmm. yeah and, and the holy ghost is the one that can help us with this stuff if we'll let him you know if we prepare ourselves so that we can be taught by him so often we have think we got to be taught by different people and go to all this these different podcasts and different things but it's always in the scriptures there and for the holy ghost to help us with that i mean we all need help it, it just like our little discussion group here all the putting all these minds together and and kind of you know, working through this and talking through it, it really helps. But it comes back to really studying the scriptures. What are they really saying? And letting the Holy Ghost help us understand. And it comes on levels, different layers. It's never all at once. Mm -hmm. How many times have we read these different scriptures before? And there's a lot more here than I've seen before. Did you all see the communication from the church about the church magazines? Did you get that email this week? I haven't. I, I didn't. So it's really interesting the way the church communications come through comes through. It's an email that says communications on it, it kind of looks weird. It doesn't say like the church of Jesus Christ already saying it's just like church communications and then you um open the email and you have to log into your church account and then you have to download their message <laughs> like all these um security controls or something on it and then it, if you open that message it tells you to um study the study the church magazines and if you know of a new member that, that will pay for their first year if you know if you need to and show them how to connect digitally to their that the children should be reading. So I don't know if it was in our group or if it was in another group, but um, 
I haven't been reading my magazines because I've been reading all this other stuff. But did you happen to catch the Leah Hona article that President Nelson did in October? Mm -hmm. That one, did, did we talk about that? About his yeah, stuff? It's awesome. This so one? So I had to print this out. Holy cow. Like this is just like, there's footnotes everywhere. It's chalk, I'm only on the third page. I got all these notes on it. And, um, it's amazing, isn't it? I've listened to it and I've read it. And, and and I know, I I know this, and I just haven't been paying attention to Leo Hanna magazine. I don't get it in the mail, and I, and I I'm like, oh, I'll read it on my phone. But then there's always like somebody else's report on the scriptures. It's you know Rodolfo. Oh, we got to study Rodolfo. Saying like, I really need to do. I need to go back to making I'm sure <laughs> I take care of my scripture study, and I and I do my scripture study, but I take care of the the magazine, and that I am, you know, and I am up to date with Come Follow Me. That's not a problem either. But it's just a magazine. I haven't been reading the magazine. It used to be the answers that I needed in such a beautiful, timely manner. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to do this other stuff first. <laughs> I need to get back to this. Mm. How did I miss that beautiful, oh my gosh, like this beautiful article that you wrote. And I, and I just feel like there's going to be more in there that's going to help us. I mean, this month has about Zion. Mm -hmm. happened before before i heard about this has said one the everlasting covenant i had opened it I'm like oh like there's two articles on zion all right wow what the heck but it had been on my heart anyway and then like there there it is okay the church is starting to recognize that we need to say the word zion more we need to figure this out we need to move towards this more and then here's this has said in this covenant relationship and I'm looking at people at church today. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how to get along with these people better. Like, I <laughs> figure out how to send for these people <laughs> because um, I, I had seen that um, post about the dreams in the tent. Did you happen to see that one? This lady had a dream, and like, there's all these tents, and then there's like this swirling, and then she had to go and help pull the cover over this really big tent. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like, we're supposed to, you know, fortify our tents, our homes. We're gonna to have to gather in more but I, I look around at church and I'm like I have got to get to know these people I've got to spend more time with these people these are my people mm -hmm. these are my people this is my Zion this is where my Zion's gonna be I'm not gonna be walking to Zion I mean this is where it's gonna be building is here that's my feeling yeah. oh I love that I fill out but that's how it feels today that these are my people and these are the ones that that I'll have to help first Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you on the magazines. Like I, I don't know. That it, it those are always just kind of well, if you ever get bored, you can go look at those kind of things. But no, like, it was the beginning Nelson's. of my journey though. I used to get magazines in the mail and I would get that one, but I would never get to that one. And I had to make a covenant that I would do this. Like I've broken that covenant. I'm gonna read this before I read anything outside of this magazine. And I read through it every month. I mean, I was probably until COVID, I was on it all the time. And then I stopped it coming because I could look at my phone and I didn't. I even have, I still have an alarm set every day to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the church app, it says, okay, Leah Hon, and then I have one that says Book of Mormon. Um, and I see it every day. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but there's some some really precious stuff in there all the time. So I caught on to when you were talking about breathing. That's when I came in. I'm like, oh my goodness, all right. And I looked up that talk. I looked up breathing, danger of breathing. And that's in the talk from April 2019. We can be better and do better. We can do better and be better. Um, but I don't know what you were talking about. Like, are you taking a class on breathing or how are you learning about breathing? Um, I don't know. That that was just a, a little while ago. I think it kind of stemmed from that four ordinations book club that we did. Um and there was just a lot of breathing stuff that I started. Is it doing. in that book? Uh, there's some of it, yeah. What um, chapters? Uh, I don't even know <laughs> uh, what uh, chapters. That's that okay. Be. You don't have to look that up. That's okay. Don't worry about but, it. Yeah, I, I just remember in one of our discussions, uh, quite a few of us were talking about breathing one of the times, and um, anyway, it's really made a, a huge impact on on me and when I'm. Uh, doing meditation or or just doing breathing exercises at night and and things um that it it just does so much um that we are kind of oblivious to until we start doing it and stuff uh while we were kind of discussing there um i just looked up uh ruach because i that word came to mind again um but the hebrew ruach anyway i found these four paragraphs here really um interesting in connection to what we were talking about. So it says that the Hebrew ruach means wind, breath, or spirit. The corresponding Greek word is pneuma. Um, both words are commonly used in passages referring to the Holy Spirit. The first, uh, the word's first use in the Bible appears in the second verse. The Spirit of God, ruach, Elohim, was hovering over the waters. Ruach is translated as breath of life. Uh, uses ruach to describe the wind God sent over the earth to recede the floodwaters. Although the word ruach is found almost 400 times in the Old Testament. Often, the Old Testament speaks about the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of God. The word for spirit is ruach. Use of ruach and spirit when not linked with God usually is in the reference of the human spirit. This can mean the actual spirit of the human, the immaterial part of human akin to the soul, or one's mood, emotional state, or general disposition. Ruach as breath or wind can be a reference to literal breath or wind, or it can take on a figurative meaning, such as the idiom, a mere breath. God's ruach is the source of life. The ruach of God is the one who gives life to all creation. We could say that God's ruach has created every other non-divine ruach that exists. All living creatures owe the breath of life to the creative spirit of God. Moses states this truth explicitly. God gives breath, ruach, to all living things. Jacob understood this truth as well. As long as I have life within me, the breath, ruach, of God in my nostrils. Later, Eloh, uh, Elihu tells Job, the spirit of God hath made me the breath of life. Almighty gives me life. God uses the phrase ruach Yahweh in his promise that the Messiah would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus at his baptism in the River Jordan. John saw the Spirit of God, the Ruach, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So interesting. I, I, 
I think there's so much more like, you know, like as soon as the Lord sets you on a new quest or a new tangent to go off and study and stuff, I think the breath and the taste are, are two mm-hmm. new avenues that it's going to occupy my next few weeks. <laughs> well, you saw that the Facebook post that went by when you breathe, you're, you're saying Yahweh in your breath. Yeah. And there's just so much to it that I just never considered before. Um, I remember when we were at Education Week last year in Tammy's class, um, she had us do that Yahweh breathing exercise and stuff. And it was so interesting how we all got so much in sync and we were able to kind of clear the room a little bit. It was a very interesting, peaceful feeling as we were doing that. But yeah, I don't know. I've heard, Cameron, just when you said that word in train, if you were to sit, for instance, with another person within, you know, like no more than probably five to eight feet, if you were to re- entrain your breath, the, your, the magnetic field of your hearts would also be entrained. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I find that very interesting. Yeah. That when we're within the magnetic field of another person, there is a form of entrainment. And I'm not sure if the hearts become in sync with each other, but there is something very, I think, unique and special about that. That's one of the reasons why I think that social distancing was kind of hard on people and there was a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I never would have imagined this to be going down this kind of a path from this type of discussion on condescension of God, but so very interesting. Uh, especially like what uh, mom was saying there from first Nephi, the angel said, knowest thou the condescension of God? I do not know the meaning of all things. And so look and behold, Mm. Mm. I think that there's a lot to, to look and behold in, in the taste and in the breath. It'll be interesting to see what group two does with it tonight. <laughs> see where we take it. Yes, what flavor, right? <laughs> <laughs> that must be an interesting experience, Cameron, to be able to have a more multifaceted experience of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always very interesting because I, before we changed all of schedule up and everything uh we had four different classes on every given topic that we were studying right we'd have our two on sunday and our two on wednesday and man you get so many different ways to to look at the same thing Mm -hmm. yes i sure wrote a lot of notes on my on that condescension section tonight yeah i'm gonna have to take more time and <laughs> get some of those restoration scriptures that really dove into like the others. So yeah. let's look at the art. Um, let's see. Where am I? So the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
Is she there by herself? No, that's a diminutive little baby. It's so dark, I couldn't hardly tell it. Oh, I see that now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you can hardly tell in the black and white. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't even, but my eyes weren't the best, but. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to keep that for the, the other class. I always forget to pull those up. Some of them are kind of creepy. Some of them are really nice. <laughs> but I, it's always good to, to pull them up so you can kind of see them. Better. I don't see faces in the background on that one. Or Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah there's a couple nice. animals peeking. Yeah. Was there animals? I didn't see anything. Yeah, there's a donkey and a cow. Mm -hmm. So there's a donkey. Oh, the yeah, left. the animals. Okay, but not, those are just like normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bushes or something. Uh, I was like looking creepy. in the logs and on the stairs. I didn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. Part behind her but those ones are those ones are okay the way he's laying there kind of just stark yeah he's not any swaddling clothes <laughs> but it it is interesting that he has the zit zit on his his oh look uh, at that the four corners wow uh, yeah so you have the the blue corners on which the the priesthood is written and then the the zit zit tassels wow. you have such a good eye camera here too, camera. <laughs> so, so this art history. This artist is is understanding that enough to put that in there. That's interesting. Uh -huh, because you know, like when we have his swaddling clothes, we never mention, you know, his priesthood or zitzit or anything like that. But it's interesting. Be, I should just keep it up on the screen. Sorry, uh, that he's on a red pillow. He's not in his manger at this point, and he is fully exposed, laying on his zitzi. And this is kind of also representative of um, like Peter's dream, right? Where there's the four corners um, uh, being lifted up uh, by the different animals or whatever, when he receives the revelation to go into all the world, the, the four corners of the earth. The Gentiles. Uh -huh. And so there's the, the blood of sacrifice and the uh the water and the breath all in those the red white and blue there it's very interesting how uh mary is dressed there as well i mean she's in now she's more in a swaddling clothes than he is <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> wait say that about the red white and blue again so the red is the uh -huh. So like what we were talking about here in, uh, in all of these scriptures, that there's water, blood, and spirit. And so we have the the blood, water being the blue, and spirit, and white. And so the, wow. the elements of, of birth are present. Do you think he planned that in that picture? Like, that's so... I don't know. Interesting. I would assume so. With that priesthood, I don't think he would go there unless he understood that is it a he or a she the artist james to so or something like yeah. that yeah i it seems like he's understanding quite well there the 
put oh. that all together like that. Christ. In fact, he's the first artist I've seen that puts the priesthood with. Yeah. I've never seen any pictures of Jesus even wearing that, have you? But that would make what? sense because that was. Oh, where is it? Yeah, there was one interesting one. Oh, there it is. It's the, the woman touching the hem of his garment. Um, and he includes the seat seat on the shawl there. Mm -hmm. So that's all she had to touch was the hem or the seat seat of his garment, because and that's, that's where the priesthood was written. His lineage, his authority was written on it. But it doesn't say that in the scripture that that's what she touched. I thought it was just the hem of his garment. Uh, that's what the hem of the garment means. Uh, the hem of the garment of a rabbi is where he, where he wore the authority of his priesthood. Hmm. So yeah, but yeah, that's the only picture. Have I you seen have. other pictures or, or talking of him wearing that before? I haven't connected with that one yet. Uh, uh that's the the only one I found. Um, in Matthew Gray's class, he talks about it and uh, goes through all of the significance of the zitzit and um, the different things. I wonder if this one. Oh, I guess this one does too. I just haven't seen that one before, and it's the wrong color. Because oh, there's three blue. corners you see right there, huh? Yeah. But it seems like back in the, the time of Christ, the woman, she knew she needed to touch the hem of his garment yeah. for that very purpose. That's where his his priesthood authority was. Um, that's something that, you know, we don't really understand because we're not. You know, it's interesting because we're always encouraged as priesthood holders to have our lineages printed out ready, you know, like mm -hmm. to acknowledge and, and know where we get the authority from. But yet, it's very interesting in a Jewish culture that is very much a part mm -hmm. of someone. Um, they but yeah, we, we, we seldom talk about that for what it is but the Jewish people understood that mm -hmm. I guess for conversion reasons or something that needed to be kept separate like if we were to completely get rid of the Christmas tree and Santa Claus that would cause a big stumbling block for people coming to the church yeah mm -hmm if we yeah. focus on the Jewish traditions that that would be a problem for Christianity yeah. so, sometimes I wonder why why like why why don't we talk about that more why don't we talk about the Jewish tradition or Jewish not really yeah, tradition I, Jewish I find the more that we study the mysteries and stuff, we're led to it. You know, we yeah, have just to get us in the gate, and then we study the other things to understand more of it. Mm -hmm. The That's gate can't be by other things. Interesting. Okay.
Well, <laughs> I didn't realize what time it was. We kind of went over a little bit. Sorry. But um, but yeah, so next week, we don't have any interruptions next week, do we, Mother? Just on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So um, next week, we'll do number 14, Jesus Christ Creator. And then I think the next week after that, we're going to insert one of the, the later ones in. Uh, kind of oh, yeah. Please. Mm. But yeah, so number 14, Jesus Christ Creator next week. All right, well, we will catch everyone next week. Have a great week and happy Sabbath. <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all. All right. Bye. Bye.